Mr. Pop. I know that flashing lights are bad for epileptics, but I wouldn't think this is good for anybody. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hello everyone, welcome. Uh, early quick poll uh, that's just come in, uh, hot off the presses. Uh, the voting's in and Brian's been voted a shit before the program even starts, which is, you know, quite good for him, quite out of character for him. Normally he's very good before we start the show and then he decides to stuff it up. But tonight he's he's got in early and uh, decided to uh, plant the seed before the show even started. Welcome to Mark Fine who has another new tattoo and it's looking sensational, this one. He's right up. How are we, boys? Very good, thank you, Fine. And hello, Brian. Where do we find you? Because you're not in your, uh, you're not in the home penthouse. You're you're penthousing out tonight, are you? Well, we we had a new time to do this, and I got a little bit confused, and um, so I found myself down at Lucky Phil's with a uh, flat battery. So um, I'm just doing my best to uh, keep. This on the tracks. All right. Well, we've got a big show coming up. We've got lots to talk about. There's lots going on in the world of uh, that we cover, you know, the world of sport, the world of entertainment, the world of music, all those things. Uh, we've got a chart from uh, December 1968, which is just magnificent. Oh, hardly a dud on it. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> well, I am, uh, funnily enough. There, no, there's there's about half a dozen duds on it and some questionable ones, but, oh, there's some, ah, oh, there's yep. some absolute. There are. And tonight, for something different, when I get to the top ten, stand by, Brian Mannix, you're going to be helping me out with the presentation of the top ten when we do it very soon. I have no idea what you're talking I about. I know you don't because there was no I'm point no, no point prepping you for this. I just want to do it totally unannounced, but I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I'm, I've got oh, I, I, I appreciate your faith in me. Now, before we launch in a whole lot of footy and sport and uh, and all those things that we that we talk about, I just I have to undead someone. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. Can I just can I just ask the mothers and fathers of future generations if there's someone already on the planet with the name and they work in the same industry, can you get your kid to change their bloody name by deed poll? Because what then happens is when uh, you know when Bill Smith dies, it's reported mm-hmm. widely, and then because you just sort of have a cursory look, oh Bill Smith died, so I get on the death eliza and I kill Bill Smith. Well, I killed the wrong George Miller. <laughs> Ah, and I feel terrible. <laughs> but 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 what is it with? I just want to explain that it, it's very easy to get these two George Millers mixed up because they both have connections in the Australian film industry. One was one was born in Chinchilla in Queensland. Well, who's the dead guy? One was born in Scotland. His name is George T. Miller, and he was the man involved in the Man from Snowy River movies. He's the one who's passed away. Not the Mad Max guy. No, not the Mad Max guy. George Miller, um, OAM or AM or OM or whatever it is that he's got after his name, uh, born in Chinchilla in Queensland, who did Mad Max and did Witches of Eastwick and did Lorenzo's Oil and did Happy Feet, is still got Happy Feet and, wow. and Happy Everything Else. 
Do you want to apologise about saying that Justin Bieber died as no, well? I didn't. No, I'm only, was... I'm only undeading one. I'm only undeading the, the George Miller from Mad Max. Apologies, George. Good to see you up and about. <laughs> so I'm undeading him. We'll put some others in. There's been a few, a uh, couple of really, uh, one really, really sad one uh, in the, uh, well, they're all sad, but one, uh, one, yeah, horrible circumstances with that one of the. already. What? Are you deathalyzing now or? No, not yet. We'll get to that. Oh, we'll, get, we'll get to the deathalyzer soon. But let's talk about International Women's Day on Wednesday. How are you celebrating, Finey? I haven't really, I didn't realize it was coming up. I'll, yeah. Well, I we, like women. Well, I know. And so, so do I. So does Brian when they let him. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and, and I know the women in your life are, are, are central and pivotal and, uh, and so important to, to who you are, what you are, and where you're going in your life. Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of women. I'm, I've got no shortage of women around me. I you know, grew up with two sisters. Yep. Um, one of those loving husbands, so I'm heavily involved with Natalie, and I've got two daughters and two sons. Um, and. Yeah, good on them. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Now, well done, women. Women, you f***ed up another year. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I yes, must, uh, yeah. I'm celebrating Australian Women's Day. Australian um, Women's Day now, okay. Oh, it's International Women's Day. It is well, inter- it's in for everybody, yes. What I've done is I felt that I wasn't surrounded by enough women, so um, as of next Monday, my daughter is moving in with me so I can – really embrace oh. international. So she'll be up here next Monday and um, I can't wait. It's going to be great. So she's a lot of fun and we'll do some singing together and it'll be great. So there you go. So as much as people might think I'm a sexist, misogynist pig, I'm not actually. I'm embracing women. I love women and, as you say, Kev, when they let me. Well, most most men have. A, I mean, who have a daughter, and and the three of us all do. Um, they, they melt you. Though your, your your daughters melt you. There's no. I mean, my my granddaughter melts me these days as much as my daughter ever did. But it's um it it's quite a um it's quite a unique relationship that you have with your daughter. Well, I think it was really really great for me to have a daughter. I, I used to think that you know, like God sort of had a things like. Yeah, you rooted a lot of chicks and you did the wrong thing. Yeah, f- you. We're giving you a daughter so you can see what it's like. And <laughs> but but I didn't have a sister. I got a brother, a great brother, and I went to an all boys school. So girls were a mystery to me. Oh. You know, I just didn't understand them. And then by having a daughter, I learned so much about women, and and I think I'm a better person for it. So. Thank you, Casey. Very good. Yeah, okay. Nicely put. Now, I've finally got to ask you this. I didn't know this was a thing, um, and uh, you showing us the new tattoo that uh, that you got this week, uh, couples tattoos. Now, I'm assuming this is you go together and you get yeah. a tattoo together. Have you, have you ever done that with Nat? Yeah, I mean, recently. So Nat had a little tattoo from when she was a teenager where the sun doesn't shine. It was irrelevant, just a waste of time. But... I've, of recent times, embraced certain things and made certain changes in my life and things have just gone from better to better to better. And I have this saying, trust the universe. 
So a few weeks ago, I had that tattooed on my chest, and Natalie had it tattooed on her arm. So, oh, yeah. nice. Okay. I love the sound of your relationship with Natalie, um, Mark, in that it sounds like you just sort of started to embrace each other even more and more. You know, you've been together for obviously many years, but... Yeah, twenty coming up 28, 28 on Friday. But oh. you're digging each other probably more than you did six years ago. It's it's fantastic. Correct. Well, that is exactly right. Isn't love a beautiful thing when it works? Yeah, I mean, I I, I can honestly say, you know, I'm not just that I love my wife, that I'm in love. You know, it's quite it's it can be a bit scary. It's like you know, mm. when she's, she's not habit. She's somebody that you love and you want to see every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like like when we're in the shop together, quite often on a Thursday night we're there quite late, I'll just say, look, I just want to – I'll leave my car here. You know, I want to go home. I, I like when we drive together, I, you know, and I want to go home separately. It's like like a school kid. Mm, mm. No, it's nice. That's good. That's lovely. I. And, and I'm not um, trying to steal your thunder, but similar things happening with Sarah and I, to be honest, at the moment. Exactly, oh, exactly the same sort of thing in terms of we're probably more in love with each other now than we were when we met 20 years ago. It's, well, how was it like George Michael was an 80s party at Chew's wife? And, you know, what a great sign of respect that was. And um, she's a wonderful girl, so you know, well done to you, uh, Kev. Yeah, no, she's she's a great girl. What were you going to say, Fanny? I think you come to a point in your life, well, I, I have, where I realise, you know, I, I'm going to be with Nat for the rest of my life. You know, we're just we're. Not that I ever intended leaving her or whatever, but but just I now realise, you know, we're sort of a couple of lovebirds, a couple of peas in a pod. This mm. is it. This we're 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 a unit. So once you sort of, you know, any any questions of because you know a lot of people divorce, whatever. Um, but I just know that she's my life partner, and when when you're very comfortable with that, then. You sort of fall in love all over again, I think. Yeah, well, I think that's true. I felt exactly the same way that Sue, she's my girl forever. This is great, and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, this is the thing about love. And Chuck Hargraves from the X Men said it very well. He said, every relationship is only a 15 minute conversation away from breaking up. And I never, ever thought that me and Sue were going to break up. And, you know, I still love her and I know she still loves me, but, you know, we're broken up. But um, so, you know, I guess what I was trying to say is never take it for granted that you're good to go. You've got to work on it. It's like a plant. You've got to water it every day. And I can't believe that we are having a conversation that doesn't involve Yoko's pussy or something really tacky. You know, we actually, you know, girls are really going to like this part of the show because we talk. <laughs> this is not what we do, but um, yeah. Come on, look, come on. We met. We had, we, had that emer- we had that emergency meeting on Sunday. Keep working it. We had that emergency meeting on Sunday about broadening our appeal. This is it. 
Uh, no, it's it's nice. It's nice to uh, have that side of each of the three of us uh, for people to uh, to understand where what we are about. We're not just a three knuckleheads who actually get together once a week and talk a lot of shit. Oh, hang on. Yes, we are. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Stop trashing the brand, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Right, now, here we go, Brian. Are you ready? Right. Right. Now, now you haven't got your headphones in and it's it's difficult, but tonight, here is the top 10. It is the uh, Go Set National Top 40 chart uh, from December 11, 1968, and to sing each of the top 10 songs, a line from each of the top 10 songs, or even a riff from each of the top 10 songs, is our musical part of of the ensemble. The musical director. Okay, let's okay. see how we go. No, you'll get a, There's not one song here you don't know. I hope so. No, you'll know every single one of them, and if you can't, Finey and I can help you out because we'll 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 add oh. a little musical accompaniment where we think it's necessary. Okay, All here right. we go. At number ten, "All Along the Watchtower" by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. There you go. Number nine. This will be an easy one for you, Brian. Number nine, with a little help from my friends, Joe Cocker. I get back from my friends. Uh, okay. Now, this one may be a little bit more of a stretch because it is a, a more harmonious song than the one that Joe just did, and I listened to it not ten minutes ago. I think it's a fabulous song. Number eight is Eleanor. By the Turtles. Eleanor, gee, I think you're swell. You do me very well with your mouth on my Oh, right. That's not the words. Not even not even Flo and Eddie wrote those words. But anyway, okay. Now don't, don't, now, don't mark with the words of this one because this is a very controversial song for its time. Number seven is Love Child by Diana Ross and the Supremes. Okay. Well, this one's a bit difficult for me, Kev. Mm-hmm. So, love child, that's all I ever heard. <laughs> that's not, no, that's, that's, that's um, enough. No, that's enough. Uh, is, num- that, is that right? I, I love- thought that was the one that sure said, you know, every night the man would come and lay their money down. All right, all right. Next, <laughs> next song. No, no, that was, what was that one, uh, the share, the Sonny and Cher song? Um, Gypsies, Tramps uh, and Thieves. Yeah. yeah. Is that, I Melody, I sing the melody to Halfbreed. I don't know what it's Love Child. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of Halfbreed. Yeah, a bit of Halfbreed. No, Love Child was never meant to be born in uh, misery. Uh, yeah, it was the um... Love Child, never meant to be. That one. Oh, That's yeah. it. Very good, Finey. Finey can yeah. back you up in there. Now, you might need Finey's help with this one because it's a little bit reggae, this one. It is number six. It is Hold Me Tight by Johnny Nash. Oh, hold me tight. No. No, 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 that's not it. No, it's the 80s. Hold me tight. All right, finally, <laughs> off you go. No idea. No, okay, Hold Me Tight by Johnny Nash was a, was a little kind of Calypso-y reggae song, but that's all right. You're allowed one. Now, what about number five? Uh, number no. five, Indian Reservation by Don Farden. Oh. Called The Lament of the Cherokee Indians. I was trying to listen to this today and we couldn't find it. I think it's been banned because it's politically incorrect. No, see, because it would have been under the Lament of the Cherokee Indians, not Indian Reservation. 
We got the whole wide end. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, let's no, don't. No, no, no. I know how it goes. Go on. Hello, this is Memsai Restaurant. Would you like to make an Indian reservation? <laughs> yeah, table for two at seven thirty. <laughs> Yeah. Is the rag and Josh on tonight or not? Um, very nice. Five best on ground again. Again. And number four, Brian, easy one. Take this one. Put this one in the bank. White room by cream. In the white room, will it be here? If you don't mind, not everything goes to that. Uh, number three. Get get in touch with your higher register, Brian. You'll need it. Number three is Those Were the Days by Mary Hopkin. Those were the days, my duck. We like to have ha- a- Brian, number two is a double-sided song, as Eleanor and Surfer Down was at number eight, but this is number two. Hey, Jude, and Revolution, you can do whichever one you want. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Thank you. Take that sound. Thank you, Yoko. Uh, number one. Yoko's pussy. It's <laughs> correct. you. Yeah, stop it now. Number one. Now I know you know. I know you learnt this. I know this is a song that uh, you learnt guitar. Part of your learning guitar was learning to play oh. this song. Yeah, yeah. It's I one of the. It is. it is one of the dodgiest <laughs> number ones ever. At number one is Leapy Lee. With little arrows. Go, Brian. Well, when you're learning guitar, mm. this was an one to learn. And my brother learned it because they, yeah, anyway, the song goes like this Little arrows in your hair, little arrows in your hair, little arrows in your shoulders, little arrows everywhere. Because when you're in love, I had little. And that is, for for those of us who didn't like the song, that is pretty much what you were singing uh, when it was being played on the radio because, my God, they played it a lot. Top 40 radio in those days used to play everything and they used to play the top 10 a lot. It's a good song for beginning guitars, but uh, that's about it. That's about where the good and bad part of it uh, ceases. So you didn't find a lot of goodness in this chart, Finey? Oh, yeah, yeah, found some oh, okay. great, great, I found some real rubbish too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about a bit of sport that's around. The NRL's back. It was good to see that. Melbourne Storm are an amazing, an amazing football team, an amazing club. Amazing. They held back the tide, the moon and the stars in the first half. I mean, they were just backs against the wall and somehow they came out and won it in the second. Quite unbelievable. When you look at who isn't playing there this year that was playing there last year and the year before yep. and who they've got yep. out injured with, you know, Pappenhaus and Olin both out at the moment, it's it's quite staggering. Half the blokes in their team I didn't even know, and yet that it's clearly the culture of the team that Bellamy's built and uh, Frank Panisi, who's their footy manager, um, my God, they're just they're, – they're great to watch. Yeah, amazing, aren't they're they? They're terrific to watch. Um Mind you, I watched the first uh, the game, and I've never seen so many forward passes not called in my life. Yeah, every yeah. second bloody ball that was thrown by well, both sides were guilty of it, but they're just obviously letting a little bit more of the flat passing uh, go on. Um, yep. The the other uh, result that 
hit me between the eyes from the weekend sporting results was Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil. Yep. yep. Jesus. Oh, that gear, that is. That, um, that'll be smacking a few of the Man United people around the head who were thinking, um, you know, that they were going along very nicely and might be adding some silverware at some stage. Yeah, I've got my own problems. Couldn't give a rat's ass about Liverpool and Manchester West, United. West Ham are, are, on the, uh, are on the downturn, aren't they? What are they on, 23 points? Or only, are they... Yeah, I mean, I mean, last week I thought that they'd turn it around. They beat Nottingham Forest 4-0, but then they went to Brighton and Hove Albion and they lost 4-0. Yes, and uh, I must but... admit I'm scratching my head about where Tottenham are. I know they're fourth on the ladder, but, my God, you lose to Wolves, you lose to Sheffield. Uh, Who did they lose to in the FA Cup? Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday, one of those. Yep. And, and the fourth round of the FA Cup, and they've lost the week before that. They're just they're a very strange, very strange organisation. And yep. the Australian cricket team will start the next test once again without Pat Cummins. But also you'll be but there, Brian. What a great. He's a great, he's great. Kawaja is possibly my favourite cricketer in Australia. <laughs> yeah. I've moved my flag finding. Off you go. Talk some serious shit. Well, well, I can tell you that innings by him was one of the one of the great test innings that's not a hundred. Boy, did he bat well. It was so difficult. I mean, he just batted really well in that first dig. You got to you got to admire him. Um, well, you just watch the Indians who play on it all the time be knocked over for a hundred, um, yeah. and then we go out and and quite literally, if we'd have made a hundred, we would have done a, a dance and and you know, flying the flag up the pole. But we did much better than that, and he started it. Yeah, I know. I tell, tell you what, I think was really underrated in the whole game. It was a great, it was a great test game, but Kawaja's duck. In the second series, I thought that is no nobody's reported about that, but I thought that was brilliant. Hey, I did some checking <laughs> on the weekend. He's only made five ducks in Test cricket. He has he hasn't made as many ducks as you make him sound like he's made. Okay, well, do your research. See how many times he's made less than ten or less than twenty. All right, I haven't done that, but I know he's made thirteen centuries, so which I think is a pretty fair number too, just quietly. Look, no, I've moved my flag. Kawaj is great. I was wrong. Okay. Move on. Now, you guys talk serious sport, and I'll just come in and say something stupid Hang later. On. 23 minutes and 19 seconds in, we heard the words, I was wrong. <laughs> it's taken years, yeah, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> we well, might as well talk a little bit of footy. Yeah, let's, because next week we're going to be talking about the first game of the uh, the first round of the AFL season. Um Finally, your boys are finding new ways to hurt themselves or not be available for round one. Your mob are not looking terrific. What? Who else got injured? Uh, didn't you lose? When did you lose Billings this week or last week? Oh, last week. He's got yeah, a broken okay. leg. Yep. But Wind, Windhag got, broke his hand, didn't, but he'll be right for round one. Oh, okay. Didn't you kick Essendon's ass in a practice game? Yes, that's what I'd like to talk about. <laughs> yeah, off you go. Enjoy yourself. Yes, I can tell you, Essendon did not look good. No, I saw him play the Gold Coast, and it was like we left at half time. It was just like there was nothing about either team that said, "Oh shit, they're going to be good this year." They they just both looked like rubbish. Um, but anyway, 
signing. I think what we've, I, I, I think what we've really got is more than any time in recent years. I mean, it's happened in the past, but I think we've got a real situation here where there are six, I reckon there are three or four really good teams, three or four very good teams. I reckon there are five or six teams that are shithouse. I think I think really we're only we're we're really it's a really is like an eight team competition. Well, realistically, if you if you're doing your eight, um, you of recent years you've had fourteen that you've been seriously considering. You've had the four down the bottom, and you've gone they're not going to contend, and everyone yeah. else you think is a chance. But I think you're right. I think that's crept up to probably half a dozen at least now, where you're going they're not going to be there. I think I think there's a I think. I really think the eight picks itself, doesn't it? And then there's a huge drop-off. Uh, I think you're right. Brian's uh, uh, at the moment kissing a woman on screen and God knows what <laughs> that's all about. But anyway, well, I think it's a woman, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think the uh, the eight is pretty conclusive. The eight spot might be a bit of a toss-up. Depend- that's going to depend on injuries and a bit of luck. Well, for me, the eight is, in no particular order, but Melbourne, Geelong, Brisbane, Richmond, Collingwood, Bulldog, Sydney, Freo. Carlton don't make it. No. They're the only ones I reckon might. They might. They're the ones I'm. Them and Port might just, if they can get their act together, might just. Collingwood got a lot of injuries early. They've lost Lipinski today, I see, for um, uh, pretty much the first half of the season. Yeah. I mean, Carlton could make it. I guess there's nine, to be fair. To be fair, you put Carlton in there. Port Adelaide will give no hope, and the you rest will give absolutely no hope. Mm. You don't reckon Harry Walsh out for probably half the season is going to affect Carlton, Fonny? Well, I, I don't have them in the eight. No, I wouldn't either. Um, but, but to be fair, you know, with that forward line, and they've got enough good players to be in the discussion. So yeah. I'd, I'd put them ninth with a chance, but the other nine teams I'd give no chance whatsoever. Yeah. I I have to concur with you there. I don't think I don't think the tipping's going to be as hard this year as it's been for a long time. Well, we'll know if Brian can get three a week. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure it's that easy. I've always been <laughs> the underdog, but um, what are yeah, your okay. tell, tell us now, Brian? Because next week we're going to be talking about the games. But tell us now where where is a pass mark for you for this Essendon team under under a new coach? You know, uh, uh, having a new crack. Uh, well, a whole lot of new people around the club and all that sort of stuff. What's a pass, Mike? Where where do they have to finish for you to be happy? Well, I'm here with Lucky Phil. He just said 12th. But no, I think they put us through shit since 2002. Says 21 years. I think they I agree. need... 21st. <laughs> they, need to make, they need to make the 8th. And if they don't make the 8th, a 9th, I'll probably be happy with that. But if what Lucky Phil says is twelve, no, that's not good enough for me. This All right, is, so is, uh, let me let me put it to you this I way then. And, you're, I could go and cut them to twelfth. How many games they got? How many games that to win to be in the eight? Finally, what do you got to win? Thirteen, fourteen? Yeah. Oh, sometimes twelve. Let, well, let's say twelve. Is twelve games a pass mark for you, Brian? Depending, and then depending on how the season pans out. That will that'll get you somewhere between eight 
and 14th? Look, I think, I think, Kev, really, it's not really about the wins. It's about how they play the game. And, you know, if they play the game in a way that I like, I think, yeah, okay, they haven't got it quite right yet. But I can see what they're trying to do. But this, that you know, there just seems to be no system with Essendon for 20 years, you know, except for Matthew Knight's stupid, let's just kick forward and leave our defence totally freaking unattended. Um, I think the game plan is the, the thing for me and the intensity with which the players play. Okay. So, if right. they don't win, but they play with a good game plan, they say, yeah, they didn't quite pull it off, but yeah. And you play within a game plan that you have the ability to play. I think that was Rutten's problem, that he had a game plan that he didn't have players that could do it. were skilled enough to do his game plan. Yep. So you've got to work with what you've got and make your game plan around that. So, um, yeah, look, I... I I want to see him in the eight. I want to see him be competitive. I want to see him be aggressive. I don't want to see him smiling after they've lost a game, and that's what we've had for the last 20 years. Now, finally, what are the hallmarks of Brad Scott as a coach? Is it is it the game plan? Is it the commitment? Is it all those all those kind of one percenters? Is that Brad Scott? It's hard to analyse, you know, Northwood. He got, he got a, a bit out of that team, but I think accountability would be his his the trademark. When his team's playing well, they're, they, they're sort of known to be pretty ferocious yep. is how he would like them playing. And I don't think Essendon has any of that in them. Their midfield's too small. Parrish and Merritt. Heppel's not a physical player in any way. Stringer's a very good player, but he's enigmatic. You know, he's not for his size. I mean, he's hard to catch, but he's not a physical player. He's a true sort of a jack in the box. Um, yeah, I don't think that they can play that sort of hard edge football. McGrath's disappointing in that regard. Um, Devin, Woody Devin or, Smith was probably it. Was it Devin Smith? Was a, a little yeah. bloke. He was he was the angry one out of the entire side last year, and he, he's gone. Yeah, he's a shitbag. Yeah, I know um, that, but I'm saying he was the only one who actually played like that. Draper needs to get yeah, back. Yeah, he gave penalties, Kev. He, he cost us games because of his anger. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, like, I I mean, there was probably no other player in the competition that gave away as many 50-metre penalties. <laughs> and he was a great player when we got him. He won our best and fairest. And then the development and the culture of Essendon, he ended up, he ended up, um, you know, just be lazy and shit. So, you know, well. I think the culture has been the problem. You know, he was a great player when we got him, but then we turned him into a mediocre player. You know, they've got these players that are promising. Um, they arrived a couple of years ago. They looked really good. They've got to show a lot this year. Harrison Jones and the other tall sort of wingman, whatever his name is. Very promising, so they've got a kick on it. I think Ridley's a very good player. Um, yeah. Who's Martin. the bloke you? Who's the bloke? The Hilda bloke that you gave me a good runner, but uh, lost his way yeah, a bit. 
Yeah, he's not in their best 22. Nick Hind. Yeah. Yeah, again, he's not physical enough. He's good with the ball, but he's, you know, he's just too small to be a decent-sized body in the back line when the ball's coming the other way. Yeah, okay. Going to be interesting. So next week, uh, well, I mean, you've done your eight, but uh, next week do our eight. And uh, we'll kick off the uh, the first round of the footy tipping next week because the first game will be on the Wednesday, Thursday night, Thursday night. Lovely. Be, uh, be interesting. So we'll start the tips next week. Now the death Eliza. Before we get to be, before we get to something else and then the chart, but the death Eliza this watch. week. We've got to get to monkey watch, Kev. Well, that's after this. All right. Fine. I just want to. I want to do the death Eliza and give it the uh, the reverence it deserves before you two turn into the, the the text message machine that you were this afternoon. Look, I think this whole show has been a disgrace up until now because we've been talking about love and we've been kind and we've been we'll address that shortly. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, this well, I've, is got, I've, got, I've got one for the I've got one for the death Eliza. Oh, hang on. Ooh. All right. Shall I kick off? Yeah. This program, if we do monkey walk. <laughs> yes, there's every chance. Let me do the death lines first. <laughs> Hang on. Let me do the introduction, Kev. Hey? Well, let me do the introduction. Oh, sorry. Dun, 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 dun. Welcome to the death of life. Okay, Gary Rossington uh, died uh, today at the age of uh, 71 and he may very well have died back in 1977. He is one of the few survivors of the Leonard Skinner plane crash uh, that uh, took the lives of uh, four members of the band and uh, some other people, the pilot and some other people as well. He survived it. He uh, he woke up uh, amid the wreckage with the with the plane door on his uh, covering his body, and uh, he lived to tell the tale. Gary Rossington, but he passed away today at the age of seventy one. Who uh, was that? Gary Rossington. He was a guitar player in Leonard Skinner. Which Gary Rossington? What do you mean, which Gary Rossington? There's a lot of Gary Rossingtons, Kev. No, there isn't. There's only one, <laughs> the dead one. Um, okay. <laughs> stop Hang it! On. Stop it, you two! You'll have me bloody. Uh, <laughs> Listen, listen, me and Thorny, we know Gary Rossington, and I just don't think he's dead. Oh, shut up, Brian. He called another one. Shut up. Um, (laughs) Dead, I'm very sorry. Now, um, David Lindley. Red red hair, red beard, that Gary Rossington. No, I saw him down the pub the other day, Thorny. I thought he'd move to Queensland. You know, he's going to reckon... Oh, I was going to be quiet. I'm so upset. David Lindley passed away at the age of 78. He was a member of Jackson Brown's band. He sang the high part on uh, Stay in the Loadout, that bit at the end where you go, why don't you stay? That was David Lindley. He was a master. I, 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 what? I, I tell you what, because Jackson Brown, he sings pretty high. If you sing a high note on him, you've got to be a pretty freaking – Good singer. Yeah, he was a good singer, David Lindley. Didn't didn't sort of have a band and go. He had a band, but didn't have uh, success with the band and all that stuff. He was happy to be behind uh, and play in bands like Jackson Brown's band, Linda Ronstadt's band, Warren Zevon's band. He played with all them. He was one of those sort of West Coast um, session musos, uh, 
jump up on stage with everybody and, and did his own kind of little albums, but they, they sold a little bit, but not a lot, but he really, really uh, came out here, I think, a couple of times with touring bands, but also came out a couple of times for guitar um, workshops. I think there's a big one on in Melbourne at the moment. Um, uh, well, he used to come out for those things. quite happy that he's dead, actually, because um, he was too good. He was a great band, a great guitarist, but now other guitarists can say, well, I'm the best now. So well done to you with a, uh, a life well lived. One of the original members of the Deltones, Brian Perkins, passed away today. I'm not sure how old he was, but I think he was in his 80s. Perno. Brian oh. Perkins, who was the baritone of the uh, of the band, uh, the original Deltones. So him and Pee Wee Wilson and uh, the, the other two's names escaped me, but he was one of the original members. He passed away today. And this one's the... Yeah, this one's the, was the best one, Kev. He, he was. was he was there. He was like the harpo of the Marx Brothers. Right. He was terrific. Thanks, Brian. Now, this I'll one. Stop helping, <laughs> oh, Kev. Stop helping. <laughs> this is a really sad one in terms of uh, Tom Sizemore died at the age of sixty-one. Now, he was an actor in Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down, a whole lot of uh, uh, really good um, uh, action films of the last few years. He had a, a, a brain aneurysm and uh, passed away from complications of that uh, a day or so ago. A really good actor, Tom Sizemore, and uh, and yeah, terrific, young, great. sixty at the age of sixty-one. So that is the death of Eliza Brian. You can do the outro. Is there anybody else you want to add in just for good measure, Kev? No, you're, you're, there's no one else I need to add in. That's it. You know, Barbara Streisand. No, or, no, um, no, Brian. You know, no, Brian. Or do a Richard Wilkins and go with Jeff no, Goldblum. No, oh, no, yeah. not Jeff Goldblum. No, we're not doing that. In fact, no, we're not. It's, it's a most uh, most unfortunate occurrence when you do that and it happens and, and for everyone to know. All right. Well, that's the end of the death, Eliza. Thank you. All right, now... Um, my it's a new segment. <laughs> it's not becoming a segment. I'm telling you that right now. Um, <laughs> the fascination between you and Finey sending each other with me in the middle of it videos of monkeys. Well, it's a, it's a segment that uh, this is probably the first and only time it will ever be on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for Beauty and the Bestiality with your host Brian Mannix. Well, listen, I, look, this is sad for me to have to report this information, Kevin, Mark. But <coughs> Bullshit. What I've found <coughs> Bullshit. Those cute monkeys that we've seen, and we spoke about it a, a week ago or two weeks ago, about the monkeys raping the frogs, struck down their throat, orally raping them. It was just, it was appalling, and we felt that it was, Interfering with the, um, with the, uh, you know how we, you know Nature. how we're judging the environment. Yes, and and look, I tell you what, seriously, I was I'm losing a lot of respect for monkeys because this week we've got this monkey, and he's on a chain, and I can see why he's on a chain because he just wants to root everything. And this poor chicken, he is there. He just, the chicken's trying to run away and he's grabbing it and pulling it back and he is humping it. They are, they are horrible. Well, they're horrible human beings. They're horrible animals. Finally, I would like 
your you've obviously oh. looked at the footage. What was your interpretation of this? I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. I've never seen anything. What have you been watching? <laughs> Hang on. And you sent me the, the picture of the, of the chicken gum. Ah! Now, come on. Let's, come on, no, Kev. No, I think making... you'll find. I think you'll find in, in certain parts of the world, that's how they – that's how – they stuff their chickens before they roast them. Oh, gee. Down at Red Rooter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, goodness Jeff, me. Did you, did you, did did you bother to take a look at this monkey's behaviour? I didn't look at him. Well, I've got to say, and I'll just finish it up with this, but <laughs> my respect for monkeys has gone down. They are rapists. They are terrible, terrible Terrible animals. They just want to root everything. And, you know, I think we as a as a podcast need to step in and um, you know, p- bring awareness to people to um stop the monkeys raping other animals. And so endeth beast uh, the beauty and the oh, bestiality. Hang on, hang on. Oh, hang I'm, on. I'm, disappointed. I'm disappointed with David Attenborough. Yes. He can he can spend a lifetime doing boring documentaries on penguins and seahorses <laughs> and he clearly is covering up monkey rape. I mean he knows the natural world and he has done nothing to out this. Oh oh here's have a look at the amazing, you know, flipper wasp. It it can consume it it has sex with other flies and then it eats oh he he makes wasps seem terrible, and he's got he's got it in for spiders because every second episode he's got a spider eating another spider or a right. spider eating itself. But you know, every day monkeys are grabbing hold of other things in the natural world and copulating with them against their will. And as David Attenborough once, I reckon he's been paid off by the the monkey the monkey the monkey lobby the monkey lobby. <laughs> the monkey lobby. Yeah. Expect to see Mike Nesmith f***ing a chicken, but these bloody monkeys. And I, you know, I just think, you know, Kev, I know you don't like talking about it, but we do need to draw attention to this great problem within the animal world because we love our animals, we care about animals, and I'm just, I'm just really disappointed with the monkey population. Ever the humanitarian, I mean, Brian. Brian's right. Until I'd, until I'd been made aware of this, I wouldn't have thought this, but I would not leave a zebra in a room alone with a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, that concludes Monkey Watch for this week. What oh, no. called Monkey Business, Monkey Stoppers. I think it should be called Monkey Stoppers. Monkey, uh, stop. monkey Stoppers. Because these monkeys have... Man, out of control. They're just raping everything. Yep. No... I can't wait to hear the monkeys' podcast to see what they're going to do. <laughs> that, that footage they've been taking of you and your penthouse, Mannix. Let's move on, Kev. <laughs> yes, let's let's get to uh, the chart. And the chart is uh, the Go Set chart from the 11th of December 1968. We've done the top ten for you. There's 
all sorts of juicy and uh, and not so juicy songs in here. There's Aussies like John Farnham's Rose Coloured Glasses and Ronnie Burns' The Age of Consent. Um, there's classic uh, people from that era, like the Hollies are in here. Um, Jim Neighbours has the number 40 song with The Impossible Dream. The Archies are in here. The Monkeys are in here. Sandy Shaw, Dion, with that beautiful version of Abraham, Martin and John. Uh, we've got uh, Jenny C. Riley doing Harper Valley PTA. It is a most uh, unusual chart. It is full of all sorts of songs from all sorts of genres. So let's find out what the boys thought. And start with you, Finey, as we head to 1968. What's your number? Okay. Th- what's, your, what's your three good and bad? I'll start with three bad. Mm-hmm. It's a good chart. So when you look down the list, there's some old favourites there in bad lists. So I intentionally left the 1910 Fruit Gum Company out of it. I've, I think I've made my point on them. Um, and the Archies. I mean, you know, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it. I've got no problems with monkeys. I'm not going to get into, <laughs> into a slanging match with a cartoon. Yep. But that was a great episode, though, when you said that the Archies were a bunch of Nazi terrorists and that they should all be killed. I, I thought that was one of their best episodes. Right. You don't kill the, you don't kill the Archies. You just erase them or colour them in. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. But there's another sort of favourite of mine, you know, if I'm looking for crap. But this time I cannot, I cannot let it go through to the Keeper. Um, I mean, uh, anything that Roger Whittaker does is obviously going to be terrible. Mm. You simply need to listen to his discography. Ah. Gesamt. <laughs> now, do I think all whistling songs are bad? Probably. But let's just be fair and say, all right, maybe there are good whistling songs. I, I actually checked, and as far as I could check, methamphetamine wasn't even invented in 1968, <laughs> but but he had obviously found something very close because this Mexican whistler rubbish of his <laughs> is played in the wrong speed. It's it's just this horrible quick whistling that I know that flashing lights are bad for epileptics, but I wouldn't think this is good for anybody. <laughs> Fair point. Uh... Uh, and once again, made. for some reason, the poor Mexicans, because there's a lot of songs that when they're terrible, not only are they terrible, they had the word Mexican to it. There was Mexican <laughs> there was Mexican weekend and hat dance. What do you reckon you if you write a dodgy song like I love you, it's called Mexican I love you. You chuck Mexican in and that's kind of an excuse. You call it the Mexican love song and that gets you out of trouble. Yeah, it was not oh, my fault. My it's next song had the word Mexican in the title. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blame me. I ate a bad burrito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Roger Whittaker <laughs> makes number three on the bad. What's number three on the good? Oh, I think you'll find it's pronounced Shittaker. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, well, we've already mentioned this, and uh, I like, uh, uh, you know, White Room by Cream is a classic, so oh. it goes in. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Great song. 
There you go. I've taken a slightly different tact on mine. I haven't put in my three favourite songs. I've put in three underrated songs that I think deserve to be acknowledged, not as the best songs on it, but songs that we normally wouldn't have mentioned that I want to mention. Yeah, good. Right, O'Brien, what do you got at three, good and bad? Well, myself and Lucky Phil went through this to Sabo. Uh-oh. He's written it down, but we've only got the numbers. Mm-hmm. So on the good, my yep. number three good yep. is number two, Kev. Number two? Number What's that? Long, hey, long Jude, hey, Jude and Revolution. Oh, no, that's number one. I've, I've read it from the wrong way. Okay, so that's all right. Well, there's my number one good. Hey, Jude, so I've, 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 I've stuffed this up. That's all right. But okay, number one, my number three bad is number 27. Number 27 is Jezamine by The Casuals. Well, they can go and get f***ed <laughs> in a positive <laughs> way, I say that. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't no. mind that. It's not a bad song. It's got, it got that funny little what am I supposed to do with a girl called Jezamine and then it goes on. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the worst song going around at the time. I, I think lyrically it offended me, uh, Kev. I, okay. I look, I'm, as a, I'm looking here with just number 27 on it, but, yeah, that um, – no, that was pretty bad. Okay. And, uh, and look, musically, I think it was okay. It was kind of 60s jazzy and shit, and it was cool. But lyrically, it was a disgrace. So, okay. anyway. Fair enough. That, that's, those are my thoughts. All right. Uh, my number three bad uh, is uh, Engelbert. <gasps> How dare you? Yes, Engelbert, the hump, lumpy thing. Shit. Yeah, um, fair enough. I had to play that at a, at a guitar concert with a hundred other guitarists. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Engelbert at that stage was so big, he he could have farted uh, on, on stage and people would have fainted, not because of the smell, but just because Engelbert did something. He was monstrous in in the late sixties. Um, absolutely, you know him and Tom Jones. Have you not heard the heard the album, Engelbert Farting Lies? Yeah, that's the one at, at the Royal uh, Royal With Albert Tom. Hall. Yeah, it was big. With the London uh, Symphony Orchestra in the background. No, it's all no. So Engelbert gets my number three bad, and my number I've got uh, gone for the underrated songs, the songs we might not normally speak about. Because they wouldn't, mm. you know, when you talk about great songs like Hey Jude and White Room, they are. They're classic, classic songs. There's a couple of others in there. But um, I I love Eleanor by the Turtles. I think Eleanor by the Turtles is a much underrated song in terms of the harmonies, the structure, the vocals. Um, just what a great little pop song it actually was. I watched it today. It's um, Howard uh, Kalen and Mark Volman, who are the two main men of the Turtles, who went on to be Flo and Eddie after that and did a whole lot of stuff that um, it was weird but uh, sort of blues brotherish almost before the Blues Brothers came along. Um, they, they were really interesting, and uh, but Howard had a great voice and I think uh, it's just a really good song. A couple of really interesting little musical things in it, little kind of bass runs and that that it had in Oh, it's a really good song, really good pop song, so... Eleanor makes my could number three. We, could we get special comments from Mark Fine, the super coach, over that one? Yeah, well, I mean, they were good, the Turtles. Did you ever, did you know that they, the Monkees played with the Turtles? <laughs> did they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brian's got videos of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, funnily enough, and this is not bull because you can have a look at my notes, the one that I left out at number four to put the turtles in at number three was the monkeys, What Am I Doing Hanging Around? Oh, it's a great yeah. song. And, uh, which I love because it's Michael Nesmith singing the whole thing. I do everything. It's a terrific song. But I left, that, I, left the monkeys, I left the monkeys out to put the turtles in as opposed to the other way around. Well, there you, well, well, as I said, I saw a video of that today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think I might have too. Uh, now, number two, good and bad. Fonny, what do you got? Well, number two, bad. Let's go straight. Um, you've already mentioned this. Let's go straight to the top of the chart. I mean, partly because it's number one, so you've got to have some. You've got to have some. Um, Waiting for a terrible number one, but this little arrows is a piece of dross. Yep, and we've discussed it already. So, by Leaky Lee, shouldn't he see a doctor? Isn't there? A, <laughs> shouldn't he be taking penicillin? Yeah, fortunately, it was Leapy Lee, not Leaky Lee. Just oh, sorry. Been... bad, bad, bad <laughs> copy. Bad. <laughs> I can't uh, believe you'd be mocking somebody with prostate problems, Kev. That's just cruel. Leaky <laughs> yeah, well, Lee, doing his best with his little arrows, and this is what he gets. It was a yes. shocking song. It was a shocking song. Yeah, really bad, number oh, one. Awful, Boom, awful song. All right, what's your good one? And you've discussed this as well. I even sang a bit of it, but it's a great song, Love Child. Yeah, um, it is a good song. Yeah, and it's got a bit of meat to it. It's got a bit of meat on the bones. It's not just sort of – and not saying that Motown – I love Motown music, absolutely love it. But, you know, it's got a bit of oomph to it as well. So, uh, yeah, Love Child by yeah. Diana Rock. And the um, Ham and Pineapples, the su- well, Supremes, I guess, if you add some anchovies <laughs> and capsicums. Yes. No, very good. No, good song. They did they did. Uh, they did Kind of, um, what would you call it? Not bubble gummy type songs, but they were they were you know production kind of line Motown songs. And then this one came out, and everyone went, "Whoa, we're saying yeah. something here. Where did that come from?" Um, yeah. Shocked the hell out of people in in, in 1968. Talking about a child being born out of wedlock was quite a shocking um, uh, thing for a lot of people. Right, Brian, yeah. what do you got? To, what numbers have you come up with for number two? Okay, uh, number two, I think this is pretty easy. Um, number two good is number 15, Kev. Which is Mary, Mary, and What Am I Doing Hanging Around by the Monkeys. And I actually like, you know, Harry Mary is a great is a great song and a great thing to anticipate. Mary, but Mary. I think I actually like What Am I Doing Hanging Around more than Mary, Mary. Oh, me too. But. It's the monkeys, and we we love the monkeys. We don't like what they do with chickens and frogs, and and I think I haven't sent you the video of what they do with the ducks. No, thanks. But, but I want to make it very clear to everybody that this is not the behaviour of Mickey Dolenz, David Jones, Peter Talk, or Mike Nesmith with the rooting of the animals. No. So this is just a totally separate thing to Monkey Watch. They were called the monkeys, but Mary, Mary, what am I doing hanging around is my number two good. Now, my number two bad, Kev, mm-hmm. is number 37. Number 37, The Mexican Whistler by Roger Shittica. Well, we've already discussed how shit house this is. 
And seriously, no, I don't think Finey has actually shitbagged it enough. <laughs> this, this should never, ever have been recorded, let alone put on the radio so people had to listen to it. What are you trying to depress people? You're trying to ruin people's lives? No, this. It probably should be number one. I can't wait to see what my number one is. I just got the number, but Finey was right. He just didn't bag it enough. All right. Uh, so there is Brian's Mexican Whistler by Roger Shittica. It goes in there at number two. Now my number two bad. Oh, look, the Beatles got behind this woman and and uh, made her into a star, and she appeared on Opportunity Knocks. I think it was called on uh, on British TV, and they saw her, and then they went off and wrote her a song and uh, she became a big star, but I couldn't, I just couldn't cop the sound of her voice. Goodbye and then those were the days. Sorry, Mary Hopkin, might be the loveliest human being in the world, but her music just never quite did it for me except to make me feel nauseous. So she's my number what? two bad. That's amazing. It's written by Paul McCartney. I think it's produced by Paul McCartney. Yep. Uh, I was listening before and – it's like a Greek wedding. The music is like, you know, you imagine me smashing plates and doing the kicks and shit. But, yeah, I, I can understand that it's not um, everybody's cup of tea. I think the lyrics are kind of poignant and um, the music, okay, it's like a Greek oh, wedding. It's awful. But that's kind of cool for me. I said, like, oh, well, you're taking me to another place, but I totally respect your opinion to say this is shit. There you go. And that's what I'm saying. It's, All right. I, I, I just I didn't like uh, – there was something about the register of her voice that used to uh, just uh, get – it just didn't, didn't work for me. It was much her voice as it was the actual song, which I didn't like terribly much anyway. I've heard other people do it and it doesn't sound as bad. Personal Kev. It's yeah. not so much about the song, you just hate the bitch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's about me and Mary. You anyway. have heard Mary, Mary. Oh. Anyway, my number two in the good pile, which is the underrated pile, is an Australian song, which is way down the bottom at number 39. It's called Happy Without You by The Strangers. They were a good little Melbourne band. I think the singer was from Perth, Terry Walker. Uh, John Farrer was in the, in the band. He was kind of the major songwriter. Um, he wrote the B-side of this because I, I bought the single uh, back in 1968. Uh, Peter Robinson played uh, bass. He played, uh, still plays bass around uh, on a lot of uh, bands and stuff. Uh, they were a good little four-piece band. They had good harmonies. This was just a really good little pop song, interesting little pop song for its time. And uh, uh, if you watch the clip on YouTube, you'll see Molly Meldrum doing his best-ever uptight dancing and it was sort of uh, one of the real highlights for me of that sort of four hours on a Saturday watching Uptight um, was when the strangers came on and was, ah, yes, they're doing Happy Without You. Um, yeah, and I like I like Terry Walker's voice. Slow down, Kev. What? What I'm hearing here, and I'm sure Finey will agree with me, oh. is the Molly wickling his ass has got you involved in this song. It's I not so much about didn't... music, it's about Molly's. Hip shaking. No, not at all. Didn't even know he was in it until so I looked at a comment uh, down on the thing because I hadn't even looked at the clip because I got the single. I bought the single. I thought it was such a good song when I was – how old was I? 12. Um, I bought the single uh, and still I have it in the shed. Um, and uh, no, I didn't. I, everyone danced on Uptight. Everyone who wasn't in the um, 
in the band actually would stand around and when they had a, a live band, not live, but a, a miming band playing, everyone would dance. And Molly was one of the dancers. I think the bloke that emceed that lunch you went to on the Gold Coast the other week, Tony Healer, he was in the middle of, of this dancing as well. So, yeah, anyone who was around, side whether they were, you know, roadies or whatever they were, if they jumped on and danced. Denise Drysdale, all those people danced. Are you buying any of this? Yeah, I, I believe in be you, be you. Right. happy without you. All right. So happy Move on, Ken. Yeah, all right. I just thought you were just talking shit for a bit, but okay. No, no, it's all good. Now, number one, Finey, here we go. The Finey's bad pile is Mexican Whistler at number three and Little Arrows at number two. Oh, God. Uh, and on the good side, two very good songs, White Room by Cream and Love Child by Dinah Ross. What's number one? I think we're going number one good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is iconic. This song, so it's no no discovery. I like what you've done today with the underrateds, but no, I'm just going to go straight to one of the great classics, Jose Feliciano. Come on, baby, light my fire. Okay. You kill it. Lama fire, lama fire, lama fire, lama fire, lama fire. Come on, baby, lama fire. So cool. He's cool. He's everything in that. Uh, We're happy with it, but it's the the bit that Kev did. Labify, Labify, Labify. Are you doing? It doesn't go like that. You're just adding some shit in that is really crap, Jose. And you know, okay, you're blind, but I'm not going to forgive you for that abortion of the arrangement of the song with you doing that. But anyway. Sure, I quite, I quite like because it was so different. See, that's why I, what I liked about his version of that was it was so different from the Doors version. I like that, right? Yeah, so that's you know, and you know why it was different, Kev, because it was shit. Well, hang on, but the Finey's put it at number one, and I'm, I'm. Well, Finey's on so much drugs and medication, he doesn't know what he's fucking thinking. <laughs> but he's <laughs> What's your number one bad, Finey? But I do okay. respect your opinion, <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> you'll keep you'll keep till next week in the footy tips. I'm All sure. Right. Exactly. All right. Number one band. Now, first of all, it's a terrible song. Terrible, terrible, ter- terrible song. Mm-hmm. But talk about pathetic cashing in. So 1967, Donovan has a hit around the world with Mellow Yellow. I'm just wild about Saffron. Saffron's wild about Brian. (laughs) Anyhow, so a year later, this nobody, Derek, and I'm assuming he's not the Derek from Derek and the Dominoes. No, he's not. He's just some fucking Derek. He says to himself, you know what, if they can write about a Donovan sings about a bird called saffron. Well, I've got to tell you, a lot of people like cinnamon. Cinnamon buns, cinnamon on your pancakes, cinnamon in your stewed apple. It's a very popular flavouring cinnamon. So I'm going to write about a girl called cinnamon. And he did. He did. And he sang about cinnamon. He did. And he you know, next. Yeah, and yeah. even worse. Oh, well, he, you know, 
There was nutmeg. There was mace. <laughs> and then he's mace. <laughs> and then he's big. He's white pepper. Oh well, well. Then he had his sort of breakout album, and, and then then he's tried all that sort of. He got Eastern influence, so he did green cardamom and black cardamom, and <laughs> <laughs> he ended up, he ended up there with that horrible single, which which, which, I, which you know, I think everybody, I think everybody knew the the jig was up when he did turmeric, which was horrible. So it was, oh, yeah. it was hot, spicy, but you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. So just terrible. Cinnamon by Derek. Cinnamon, what? let me in. Cinnamon. Yeah. One yeah. of those one of those bubblegum songs done by an anonymous person who'd been involved in about ten other songs over the years. Um yeah. The most forgettable, but you know. That was nineteen sixty eight. Brian. Yep. All right. Now we don't know. We know that Hey Jude's your number one, but we don't know what your number three on your good pile My is. Number- Good, Kev, is number 10. Number 10 is All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Well, it's one of those songs that um, Bob Dylan wrote, but everybody else does Bob Dylan songs better than Bob Dylan, and I think this is a classic example of that. So I think it's fantastic, and, you know, you hear it, you just think of the Vietnam War and – it's 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 more than just a song. It's a it's a signature of a time, and to me, it's just says, yeah, with the Vietnam War because it's used in every Vietnam movie. But um, no, I think it's a wonderful version of um, a Bob Dylan song. So there you go. Yep, yep, that's a good threesome. You got all along the Watchtower. What am I doing hanging around? And hey, Jude, in your goods, in your badge, you've got. Jessamine by The Casuals, Mexican Whistler by Roger Shittaker, and what's number one? Well, I'm not sure how to read I think it's 27, Kev. 27 is Jessamine by no, The by Casuals. That. Okay, it must be uh, 30, 36. I hate it. Thir- oh, 36 is an awful song. It's The Yard Went On Forever by Richard Harris. Oh. What the hell? Go back to movies at. Yep. Just, just insulting everybody and wasting their time. Couldn't agree more. It was an awful song. Oh. And uh, I don't, it was from a movie, but I can't remember what movie it was, but it was, it was pretentious and it was um, tedious and it was long and it was badly done and uh, it was all of those things. Well, I probably shouldn't be too uh, pointing the finger at Richard Harris because this has been a terrible show for me. So um, I apologise to you and uh, to Mark and um, hopefully we'll move on better next week. Well, let week. me finish with my number one bad. My number one bad. We've had enough. I've got to... Uh, you could have contradicted him, Kevin. What, and said what? <laughs> that he wasn't terrible. <laughs> Best work you've done for years, <laughs> you shit. <laughs> Kev, is there any danger of finding out what your number ones are? There, there is a danger of that. Uh, my number one bad, uh, finally mentioned uh, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company and the Archies and Derek 
and bubblegum music was permeating the airwaves with, you know, uh, all those bands that came out of uh, that uh, little Cats and Cats uh, sausage factory of, of hits that were churning out all these horrible, horrible songs. But right in the middle of them was the Ohio Express. And if Chewy Chewy isn't the worst bubblegum song ever, I don't know what is. And that, I mean, I'd, I'd take Bang Shang a Lang and One Two Three Red Light and even Yummy 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 uh, ahead of Chewy Chewy because Chewy Chewy is just awful. So that's my number one bad from the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. And my was that, was that Yummy Yummy? Yeah. No, that's a different song. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy. I've got cum in my No, in it's my not that at all. That's the Brian Mannix yeah, version. What happened to Mick Jagger and that guy from Fine Young Cannibals? They had to pump their stomach and they got a legion. Anyway, that's Anyway, my number one in the underrated uh, things to, to join Eleanor and Happy Without You is a song. Where is it on this chart, actually? I can't remember what number it is. Not terribly high. Uh, number 24 on this, it's the Grassroots Midnight Confessions. Love the song. Um, they had a they had a, a truckload of hits in America in this sort of late 60s, early 70s period. They had about 20 chart hits in America. But this was the probably the biggest and maybe the only one, though. They had, uh, they had one other one here. But um, Midnight Confessions, good song, great little bass line in it. It's um, good harmonies, just good little pop song. And uh, I loved it, and I think it's in my shed as well, the single version of that that I bought back in 1968. So Midnight Confessions by the Grassroots. I can't believe no one mentioned um, Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf, which is a great song. Shit, yes. Oh, great song. I can't believe that you're just skipping over how you love a root on the grass. That's just terrible. Yep, that's me. Uh, so I, I thought you might have worked Dean Martin's Not Enough Indians somewhere in there, Brian, knowing what a big fan of Dean Martin's you are. Well, I I listen to it, and I just think Dean Martin, whatever he does, it's a shit song, but it's Dino. He's I love great. it. I love that song. Too many chiefs and another. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians around this place. I love. I I loved his it, attitude. It, I thought he was terrific. You see that that oh that explains it. What? Well, if there's not enough Indians, that's why we've got to make an Indian reservation. <laughs> exactly right. This chart yeah, works in mysterious, mysterious and wonderful ways. Uh, yeah. It's good. It'd I'll, be really race. It'd be really racist if I mentioned Seven Eleven at this point, wouldn't no, it? Would be. Uh, so I okay. will say that uh, this chart is up on the Facebook page if you want to have a look at the whole chart and take in the delights of uh, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap and Canned Heat and uh, Dion and Sandy Shaw and all the other people that are on this uh, on this fabulous chart. But that brings to a close this episode of, uh, of Rock and Roll. Oh, God. Uh, I just want to apologise to everybody. Yeah, I think a- you should. You and your bloody yeah. monkey stuff. I, you, it hasn't been that's my it. best work. That's right, it. I'm gone. I'm not saying another word. Monkey. Finally, finish it up with a good note. Monkey-free zone. And I don't mean the monkeys, just monkey-free zone. Bonnie's uh, doing shapes on his. Bonnie's doing caterpillars and and echidnas and and kangaroos on his wall with the light hand puppet things because that's how bored he is with what you've been going on about. Bonnie, I'm just looking at my tatters. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. (laughs) I thought you were doing two rabbits going down the street or something on your wall. Thanks, boys.
I'm going to go and have a good hard look at myself. Jesus, you're in for a shock then. Um, the, the, the latest life of Brian is up and about as well. Please have a listen to that. It's uh, Phil Manning, the great Phil Manning, and uh, also uh, Sarah McLeod from uh, The Super Jesus is on that show. But don't forget about my important information about climate change in the uh, in the episode. Kevin. It is groundbreaking, Brian. It is groundbreaking your observations on the what's going on in our ocean. You'll be you'll be amazed Nobody, and surprised, ladies every- and gentlemen. Listen to the podcast and you'll find out more. Thanks, Finey. Thank you. Another good week at Lenny's Fine Foods coming up. Yes, yeah, we're looking for a bit of uh Cooler weather's coming, so it's going to be busy. Uh, very good. Uh, Lenny's Fine Feeds, of course, in beautiful downtown North Caulfield. Go and tell him, tell him Finey sent you. Well, you don't have to tell him because Finey will be there. He'll be behind the counter. He'll be who you'll be talking to. Correct. That's how it works. Thanks, Mark. Have a good week. Thank you, Brian. Have a lovely week. The best I can say to both of you is I'm really sorry. See you next week. Who's both of you, the two listeners we've got left? <laughs> they bailed that half an hour ago. <laughs> oh, well, f- they rang me and told me. <laughs> yeah. If we can't be ourselves, don't go f- ourselves. Bye bye. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.